As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. I like to eat, therefore I run. I run to eat. Who would be so honest to say you're in the same place? We run to eat. All right, come on, don't be bashful. Come on, give yourselves a round of applause. We like to eat. Well, I gotta help you out. Over the years, I've done this. I've kind of made some choices that are more healthy options. I did some research recently. I found seven guilt-free options when it comes to eating out. So if you travel, this is gonna be helpful to you. Look at this, seven completely free guilt-free foods to splurge on in restaurants. First one, it's expensive, not very filling, but shrimp cocktail. Somebody said delicious. Second thing is this, fajitas. Everybody loves a good fajita, don't they? Whether it's chicken, whether it's pork, you know, whatever it is, steak is what I like. Third one is guilt-free items. I didn't have breakfast, and this is looking really good to me. These whole grain waffles. They are good, and they are good for you. Fourth thing is this, grilled sirloin steak. I will take mine medium rare. If anybody takes it any more than that, you don't know how to eat. (laughs) Stop ruining the steak. It isn't supposed to be well done and burnt. Okay, let's move on. Just the things you're going to pick up at church. Fifth thing is this. I kind of feel it's biblical. Fifth thing is veggie pasta. (sighs) Let's just move on. Sixth thing, steamed mussels. I got to be honest, Jody and I had these the other day. Oh, gosh, Lord, I love that you have given us great appetites to eat and to run. Seventh thing is stir fry. Everybody looks a good stir fry. Even that one doesn't look that entertaining. The next, let's just put the seven on the list. I want to be as helpful as I can to each of you. And so this is what I have a great announcement to make today. Each of these items are available in our cafe after the service. All you need to do is go to the new website and check in, order what you want, and you can pick it up on your way out. Each of those items. Except for veggie pasta. We're not supplying that. My last name ends in a vowel, and there's no Italian that's going to eat veggie pasta. Anybody with me? It ain't happening. We want the real thing. We want meat sauce, and that's it. All right, so go ahead and pull out your phones. You know I'm kidding, right? People are going to be at the cafe. Wait, where's the pasta? What's going on? Said all that to simply say this. Are there any guilt-free options when it comes to religion? Are there any guilt-free options when it comes to faith? Are there any guilt-free options when it comes to Christianity? Well, that's what Christianity's all about. Open your Bibles to Galatians chapter one. We are starting a new series. The series is entitled Guilt-Free Christianity. And we're gonna walk chapter by chapter, verse by verse, word by word. And we're gonna walk through this book, this letter that was written to each of us to and to the churches. It was written and in it, I've been studying it all summer, I believe it reveals nine steps to freedom in Christ. So we're gonna go through nine steps 
to freedom. Take a look with me at the screen because this is where we're heading for the series. So today, step number one is recognizing the simplicity of the gospel. I wanna talk with you today. We're gonna walk through the first 10 verses about the true gospel and what false gospels some people tend to believe, even us. Why? Because they were doing it back then, so guess what? We're doing the same thing right now. Next week, understand the significance of the gospel. The next week is gonna be embracing the freedom of the gospel. So I'm not gonna read all these, but hopefully you can see that each of these steps is gonna lead us someplace. We're gonna end this series in November. Step number nine is multiplying the blessings of the gospel. So whether you're here in the house, so thankful for you to be here as we kick off, or online because you're traveling, or out of state, or whatever it is. Why are we doing this? Slow down. Understand this. The reason is because too many people I love and I care for are settling for a cheap version of Christianity. They're settling for a faith that's not in the Bible, but it's been manufactured by man. They're settling for religion, hear my heart in this, a religion that's guilt-ridden, a religion that's works-driven, a religion, just as our bumper said, that's, that's it's fear-smitten. And so let's understand what we mean by this. When we say works driven, we're trying to please God by what we do when God is already pleased by what Christ has done. And so all we need to do is believe and follow him. By, by fear and guilt, guilt ridden, I simply mean this, that if you've ever been on that treadmill where you're trying to please God all the time and earn favor with him, it, you just never know when you've done enough. Anybody with me? You, you just don't know. And so that's why it can become guilt-written. And then we have a wrong view and concept of who God is. And that's where the fear gets in. And we see him as an angry God that is so upset with us all the time. When the scripture reveals a loving God, who sent his son for us so that we could experience freedom in him. So that's where we're heading. Good stuff? Yes, sir. Let's begin by reading in Galatians chapter one, Galatians in the New Testament. Um, please find your way there either on your phone or in a hardback Bible that is nearest you. We wanna all be looking at God's word together. Look with me, I'll read it. Verse one says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, more through man, not from men or through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever, amen. That's the introduction. And then here he gets into the meat of it. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. There it is. Not that there's another one, but there are some who trouble you and they want, you to, they want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed, as we have said before. Let me now say again. If anyone is preaching to a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. 
For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it does and what it accomplishes. Thankful for that when it is paired up with the spirit and ignited by your spirit, it, it brings change. And so I want to thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather here today. Would you guide us as we walk through this letter? Would you speak to us? Would you settle our hearts and would you move us in the direction that you desire? Lord, for some of us, it's about taking the first step, the next steps in a journey that's just begun. For others of us, it's a recorrection or it's, a, it's, it's something that, Lord, we gotta just be pointed again in the right direction so that we can help others believe, belong, and become like you. If you agree with that prayer, simply say amen. amen. For the note takers, go ahead and grab that growth guide, good stuff that we're giving you so that you can see and you can study and you can apply for you, for your family, and for your group that you're in. This is the first thing. I wanna put it up on the screen. The true gospel is simple. The true gospel is supernatural. The true gospel is life-changing. Let's take a look at the introduction, and I think you'll see all of those things. By simple, it says, Paul says, I an apostle. He says, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ. Paul was commissioned by God. Paul wasn't commissioned by a man. Paul believed in a gospel that came from God. We're gonna see that in verse 11 next week when we pick it up. Paul believed, Paul was commissioned. It wasn't about what some guy thought or what some group of individuals thought. It was straight from God, just like the gospel. Hey, nobody thought about this on their own and came up with this plan. It's the predetermined plan of God. That's why it says, according to the will of God the Father, by supernatural, Take a look at the screen, please. Look within your Bibles. In the first verse, he makes it clear that, hey, this is, this is from God who raised him, Jesus, from the dead. Hey, can we celebrate today that the gospel is supernatural? It's all about the resurrection of Christ. We sang about it. We gathered to worship for it. That's what the gospel is. It is supernatural. It's about Jesus' resurrection. Just in case you're not as excited as everyone else next to you. Or you're at home wondering, what's the big deal? This is the big deal. The gospel can be defined. He does it in the intro. He talks about Jesus who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present age. The gospel, it breaks the power of sin. The gospel, it takes away the penalty of sin. The gospel, even though the presence of sin is still with us in this life, it is powerful and it provides freedom. And third, you say all that in the first five verses? I say, get ready, hold on. There's so much here. It's almost hard to understand where to place the emphasis. But I chose life-changing because it changed this guy's life, the Apostle Paul. And if you're not familiar with him, he's calling himself an apostle because God commissioned him. And in Acts, his story is told three times. And he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and it changed the trajectory of his life forever. We're gonna learn a lot about Paul if you don't know about him now, but it is truly amazing. So he, he's become the greatest missionary. He, he gets out a pen, so to speak, and he writes this letter. 
He wrote it somewhere between 48 to 55 AD. And he wrote it, he tells us right there to the churches of Galatia. And so that's modern day uh, Turkey. And so these are churches that he had a hand in helping to start. These are churches that he went and he preached his heart at. He he was concerned with them because they were veering off in a different direction. And so they were believing, and we're we're gonna unpack this in a moment. They were believing some false gospels, just like you may be believing a false gospel. Just like your neighbor may be believing a false gospel. Just like I'm telling you there's churches that you drove by today and they may be believing a false gospel. You say, how do you know? Well, because Paul said he wrote it to, you think the churches in Galatians were the only ones that messed up? No, we, we, and so we're like, warning, warning, warner, danger, Will Robinson. Listen. We got to be careful and we don't want to fall into this trap. And so we got nine steps that we're going to apply to ourselves. We're going to apply to our families. We're going to apply to our church. That's where we're heading. So let me quickly jump in and give you the meat of the message. It's going to be four false gospels. I want to give you some facts. I want to give you some truths about false gospels, not because I desire to do it. Because Paul does it. And look what Paul says right in first off, the first false gospel. He says this, false gospels demean grace. And so if we could put that back up, please. False gospels demean grace. And so he says right in the verse that they're quickly deserting him. He's not talking about himself. And just like sometimes it can be painful to be a pastor. I'm just going to be honest. Well, what happened to that family? What happened to that couple? They left. They're not following after God? Well, they have to be. Well, I hope they just went to another Bible-believing church that's going to be sharing the true gospel. They didn't leave me. They didn't leave us. People leave God, and they deserted him. The him isn't Paul. The him isn't the guys around the block. The him is God himself. And so there's a group of people teaching another group of people to desert and leave God because they were believing a false gospel. And that false gospel, it demeaned grace. And so the word that he used, put verse six up please now, is the words that he uses is he says that they're quickly deserting him. And so they're deserting the grace of Christ. And so to desert here in the original language, it means to abandon. It means to switch allegiance. It's what could you imagine a soldier switching allegiance in the middle of a battle? Hey, how about this one? Could you imagine an athlete switching teams at halftime? I mean, it sounds ridiculous. Let's just apply it today. It's just like our quarterback, he comes out and Justin Fields and he does a great first half and he's like so awesome. And then you see him talking on the sidelines and he walks into the Packers locker room and then he comes back on with those ugly colors. I know there's a little divide here. He would never do that. That's what they were doing. They were switching teams. And and so let's talk about the grace of God and a gospel that demeans grace. So this is the part to take notes and think to yourself, apply it to you, apply to your family, apply to your friends, help them please. The first thing he says is this, there's a false gospel that's grace plus works. That demeans grace. 
So the idea that we can add something to the gospel. For them, let's get deep in. For those with a study Bible, you'll know this. But what they were doing is they were adding the Mosaic law to the gospel. So there's these Judaizers and there's these Judaizers and they're Jews that became Christians. And I mean, there's all these Gentiles that are coming to faith. And I mean, it's crazy. The Jewish people, the Gentiles, the Greeks, they're all coming to faith in Christ. And the Judaizers are the Jewish ones that said, well, no, we got to stick and adhere to the law of Moses. So therefore you must be as painfully as this sounds. They're talking to the Greeks and to the, um, to the pagans that are now Christians and they're, they're Gentiles. You, you must be circumcised. And you say, but I'm 32 years old. Let's just leave that out. And, and they were adding things. So it could have been mosaic laws of dietary restrictions and all kinds of things. You say, that doesn't happen today. Maybe not that, but we add to the gospel serving in church. We add to the gospel of grace, giving to the church, going to church, not doing this or that. Maybe you grew up in a religion was not all about this and not all about, it was never what you could do. It was all what you could not do. Not drinking, not smoking, not wearing a, a, a skirt that's this or whatever it is. Like those are all things that we add. That's, that's grace plus works. The apostle Paul wrote in another place. He said, for it is by grace you've been saved through works, not as a result of works so that no one will boast. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, not a result of works, so that, that, that nobody will boast. I remember when I was going to seminary and I had just become a Christian and my cousin at the Christmas party came up to me and it's, it just burned in my mind. And it was, so Ronnie, you're going to seminary, huh? You became a Christian. And it's like everybody just stopped and was looking. I'm in the middle of the room with the spotlight and I'm, I was the youngest of 13 grandchildren and, and the, everything was on me and I was kind of silent. And I, yeah, and they said, well, I just believe, hey, if, if the good outweighs the bad, then I'm good with God. I, I wish I had the boldness to say something. I kind of stood there. I kind of mumbled a bit. Like, like, I'm just telling you, there's a whole bunch of people that believe this. They, they just believe grace plus works. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. You say, I know that one. That's not the one. I, I know. Can you go a little deeper? Yeah. This is the one that I think gets us. Grace times works. You say, what do you mean? Well, what, what this is about is grace times works. It's kind of the same thing. We're adding things to the gospel, but people in the church actually believe that we come to Jesus by grace, through grace and faith, and we change ourselves by works. We're going to become holy and become like Jesus by trying real hard, PMA positive male attitude, and going after it full force in our own strength. I'm telling you, it's happening. Do you believe me? We try to change ourselves. So I'm going to give you a verse that has enlightened me for the years. Titus chapter 2. Please write this down. And God help us to not do this, that we believe it's about our works that are going to make us like Christ. Look at what Titus says. 
for the grace of God has appeared. That's the part in yellow. Grace of God has appeared bringing salvation. That means grace is what got you saved. But then look what he says. What else does grace do? It trains us to renounce ungodliness. What does that? Grace. What does grace do? It trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. You tell me, what does that? Grace Grace does. It's about grace. False gospel number three, hitting it today? Is it helping? Because it's not just grace plus works or grace times works. It's faith minus works. And so this is what Jesus' brother, his half-brother, he finally came to the realization that, oh my goodness, I was living with the son of God. Could you imagine what he must have thought, what he did? Oh, I didn't, that wasn't good. And so he wrote a book, a letter, and, and he came to Christ after Jesus was resurrected. And, and, and then he wrote this thing and he says, he says, faith without works is dead. Do, do you know that verse? James chapter two, it's a pivotal chapter. It caused Martin Luther, who we would all be like, yeah, that's a great guy. I mean, that man, it, Martin Luther ripped the pages of James out of his Bible because he did not understand what you're about to understand. He was so in tune with grace, grace, grace. He didn't understand the complexity of how it correlates with works. So grace complements and faith complements works. It doesn't take it away. And so faith without works is dead. Let me say it like this. We'll put it up on the screen. Works are a byproduct of faith, not a prerequisite to faith. Understood? So works come as a result of your faith. That's what they come. Been saying this for a long time. I don't know. You've probably heard it. Faith, if it hasn't changed me, it hasn't saved me. I was a youth pastor, and I... well. One youth pastor here likes that. I was a youth pastor, and I had just got my start in ministry, and I was reading through James chapter 2, and I had no clue what it was, and that was what came to me. Faith. If it hasn't changed you, then it hasn't saved you. It just hasn't. And so grace is so, so critical. These are three of what we would call the just, just false gospels. And so Paul's warning us, warning, warning, warning. These are the things that D mean grace. Don't believe in these. That's where he's headed in this letter. And that's what the people were doing back then. And that's what people do now. Second, truth about false gospels. So first they demean grace. Next they distort truth. And so that's what we see next is the truth gets distorted. And that's what Paul says, not that there's another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel. To distort makes, is about making it unrecognizable. Think about going to a fun house and you stand in front of one of those crazy mirrors. You know what I'm talking about? And it makes the person with long legs have short legs. It makes the person with a big nose have a really small nose. That's why I like it. It distorts your image to where you're unrecognizable. That that's what Paul's talking about. The gospel has been distorted. Truth has been distorted. Well, what truth? All we need to do is look at what he says, the gospel of Christ. 
which is a gospel of grace. He's like, that's the truth that is distorted. The gospel of grace, the gospel of Christ, it's been distorted. The grace of Christ, we've seen it two times already. It's used nine times in this letter. We see grace, the unmerited favor of God, that nothing you can do. It's all about what Christ has done. Do verse done, not what I do, what he's done. I get in off his coattails. And it's grace that trains me and changes me as I submit and surrender myself to him as I follow his word. Grace, how amazing it is. Let me give you some quotes, a couple favorites about grace so that we don't misunderstand what it is. How about this first one? This quote about grace. I guess we don't have any of these. False, do we have the quotes about grace? No, we don't have them? Okay, let me just pick up my phone here. All good, just flying on, on, going on the fly here. Everybody cool? Yes, sir. Do I look cool? <laughs> some of you know I'm not cool right now. But I do have it on my phone, so we must be having some issues here. Okay, so let me get to this. Um, dang, this is the time where I should have got a bigger phone. <laughs> Philip Yancey, he says this. Grace does not depend on what we have done for God, but rather what God has done for us. Ask people what they must do to get to heaven, and most reply, be good. Jesus' stories contradict that answer. All we must do is cry for help. That's grace. That's what he's talking about. I love Philip Yancey. He goes on to say this. Think about it this way, because it's about humility. And, and, and he says, grace like water flows to the lowest part. That, that's what God wants to do. That's how he trains us, and that's how he changes us. Good thing I had these on my phone. <laughs> Dwight Moody, he said this. A man can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough today to last him for the next six months. Nor can he inhale, inhale sufficient air into his lungs with one breath to sustain life for a week to come. We are permitted to draw upon God's store of grace from day to day as we need it. So we just got to get what we need for today. False gospel, third thing, it damages lives. It damages lives. This is the part of the message where I'm like, I rethink, you know, I never take up notes. Maybe I ought to take up some notes sometimes for things like this. But, but listen, this message is embedded in my heart. I've been thinking about it for a long time. I want to get it to us that, that what it does is, is it damages people. And so there's people walking around in church that have been damaged. Now, let's, we'll put it up on the screen. Just pray for the screen to go up and this would be on there. The Lord answers prayer. Let's just talk about that. And so two times we see the word accursed. And so I'm not going to dig all into this, but he's talking about this is what happens. Hey, if we were an angel from heaven should preach to you this, or if we would preach to you this, let him be accursed. Like that's not a good thing. Accursed means literally that you're going to be, suffer judgment and that it's to be condemned forever. That, that's what he's taught. That's how serious it is. Jody and I just got back. I was at a church planting um, thing all last week in Washington, D.C. And so I get the privilege of plant, uh, talking to 400 pastors and their wives and some ministry leaders. And, and they were, we were, this is what I told them. And so they're pl all planted churches either five years in or less. 
So they're just getting started. I'm moving into year 23. I don't know why you're applauding. I don't know anything yet about it. But I fooled these guys. But this is what I told them. I said this, that listen, there's some things you can afford to mess up. Hey, you can afford, to, you can mispronounce a name at a wedding. You can even, I mean, you could even drop the communion cups, how awful that may sound. You could even use your kids, you could use one of your kids or your wife in an illustration without their permission. <laughs> but you can't. You, you can't mess this up. You can't distort truth. It damages lives. You can't mess this thing up about grace. Like, like we can't afford to do it. And it's not just those who are planting churches and praise God that the gospel is going forth and we have a hand in it. It's you in, in where you are and the pulpit that you have whether it's in your community or in your school or in your home or in your neighborhood, like people are distorting truth and they're demeaning grace. And what it's doing is it's, it's damaging lives. So here we go. Let me give you a formula. This is an important one. It's the false gospel formula. So I gave you false gospels. This is the formula. It's a lot easier. This is what Paul's talking about. It's Jesus plus anything. It, 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 that's it. Jesus plus anything. So, so what do we have a tendency to fill in? Well, I'm so glad you asked. I've been thinking about this. How about this? Jesus plus vote like me. Politics. It, it's true. It, like, you know, it, we're not about politics. We're about people. And people can be on different sides of this. Like, it's like, no, if you're me like me, then no, it's Jesus it's a false gospel, Jesus-like vote like me. Let me give you another one. Worship like I want. Hey, you don't worship the way I want you to worship, and I think you should. Then, then you know, that isn't the gospel. That's a false gospel. It's, it's personal preferences, and whether you like what I chose to wear today or the fact that whatever we're doing in the service or the color of this or whatever it is, that, it, that has nothing to do with the gospel. Jesus plus worship like I want. How about this? Jesus plus change what I want. Slow down and listen to what I'm saying. We have expectations, unfair expectations for people to change. I've been saying it like this for years, that what? We expect regenerated behavior from unregenerated hearts. You don't have the power to change. Hey, stop getting so angry at that person. You know what? They don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't have the gospel. They can't change. But in the church, we, we want people to change things on our timetable. You're still doing that? How long did God wait for and was so patient with you to change? And then we expect it immediately. And there's no this, and you can't do that. Like, man, we just gotta, it's not on your timetable. It's not on my timetable. I'm not saying you're not supposed to change. I've already said that. that. That what? Change is a result. It's a byproduct of grace and the gospel. But, but it's just what kind of change God wants. It's, if you got no change, I'd be worried. 
but, but he changes things on his timetable and in his plan as we seek him. And he wants, he wants the 2.0 version of you, the 3.0 version of you, and he's patient enough to, to have you in community where other people can help you to change. So how about this? Jesus plus my church traditions. This is a hard one for us because like we, we have, we're in a 107,000 square foot office building. There's not one piece of stained glass anywhere. There's nothing. I mean, but, but people, it's like traditions. I'm getting ready to go over to Wheaton and there's a lot of tradition over there, 150 year old church. And, and so, so it's pharisaical thinking and behavior. Jesus plus what the tradition has been. Helpful stuff? How about this next one? Jesus plus my effort. And that's what we were talking about. That's the, that's the works and that's the you doing it, not Christ in you. That's pride. And then how about this? Jesus minus Savior and Lord. This is a book that I read a long time ago, and the gospel according to Jesus. And some of you know the author, and he's in his 90s. And this is Jesus minus who he said he is, that we, we don't have him Lord of our lives. Like, he's not the Lord of our lives. He's not in control. He's not at the wheel. We are. Hey, that's not the gospel, man. And that's not what these guys believed. And that's the, a problem. Jesus is not just some ordinary man, some good teacher, some nice guy. Jesus minus who he is. Oh, Ron, are you going to give us the true gospel? Yeah, how about this? Jesus plus nothing. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That, that's the gospel. That's the gospel of grace. That's the gospel that we see here in Galatians. That's the gospel that we want. That's the gospel we want our kids to believe in. It's, 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 you don't add anything. But I ain't saying you ain't going to change. And I'm not saying, man, God gets a hold of your heart. And I've been convicted about this in my own personal life. It's not about me recommitting myself to Christ. And if you're saying that, it's okay. But nowhere in the New Testament does it say recommit yourself to Jesus. What it says is surrender more of yourself to Jesus. So what are you surrendering to him in this season? this fall? What is it that you're surrendering to Jesus? And if you don't have an answer to that, Houston, we do have a problem because God wants to change you to become more like his son. And some of us, we're going through some trials and some difficulties we didn't expect. And God uses the circumstances of life to ripen people to gospel and to change his followers. That's what he does. That's what he's in the business of doing. And so let's look at the fourth false gospel. It's it's the fourth fact or the fourth truth about false gospels. False gospels divide the heart. And so Paul, he starts with everybody and then he just, he, it's like a surgeon. He just takes the knife and he's just, he's just cutting out the cancer. And look what he says. He says, for I'm now seeking the approval of man or of God. Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And so this false gospel that he's saying, it divides the heart. If I'm more concerned about pleasing you than pleasing God, I'm not a servant of Christ. If I'm more concerned about what you think of me than what God thinks, I'm not serving Christ. If I'm more fearful of what that person in your neighborhood or that person at work, or you're more fearful about how they're gonna respond than how God's gonna respond, you're not serving Christ. That's what Paul's saying. And so he's, I mean, he's got both barrels at these people. He's troubled beyond belief. You can read through this letter and see his tears. You can feel them. 
You guys have been bewitched. You're, you're, what are you doing? And so I just say, High Point Church, with the people under our care, what are we doing? Let's make sure that we understand the gospel. And step number one is recognizing the simplicity of the gospel. Now, it's complicated, but it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple to understand what Paul's saying. So now let me turn it, and I'm going to invite the worship team up. How do we, how, how do we make sure that we're, we're doing it? How do we make sure we're recognizing the simplicity of the gospel? I'm going to run through this, because here, here's, here's how. So this is what we need to apply. When I recognize the simplicity of the gospel, I understand it. So there has to be a comprehension of the gospel. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's step number one. That, or that's the first thing. If we're going to understand step number one, we've got nine steps. We've got to understand the simplicity of it. I need to do it. When I recognize the simplicity, I understand it. Then the next thing he says, I receive it. And I love this because that's the exact word that's used in the text. He talks about receiving. And so just like a wide receiver today is going to pull it out of his arms and he's going to catch the pass and he's going to pull it in and he, he's not going to fumble it. He, he, he received the ball. We need to receive the truth. And, and, and that's the truth of who Jesus is. And so no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, have you received the truth, the grace of Christ? You could do it right now. I mean, confess to him your sin and embrace the truth of who Jesus is. That's what we're all about. So when I recognize the simplicity of the gospel, I not only understand it, and I have to receive it, and I'm pleading with you, receive it today. I defend it. And so that's what Paul's doing. And so today, if you hang with us for this series, we're going to teach you how to defend the gospel in a way that is appealing and inviting and helpful to those that God has placed in your circle of influence. And, and then you not only have to defend it, because what's interesting is you read through the letter, please do it this week. As you read through the letter, you'll see Paul in the first two chapters, he's defending not only the gospel, he's defending his apostleship because they're not believing him. And so there's people that are against us. And so the next thing is I got to live it. And so here, please, memory verse for you. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It's a phenomenal verse. Memorize it in this series. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. That's the gospel. That's the grace. The grace is alive. The grace is taking hold. The grace is permeating your ever being and your soul. And, and then lastly, we got to just share it. And so I'm convicted in my own life that, that, like, are you sharing the true gospel? There was a guy, I mean, I just, like, Jody's telling me about this guy that I know that I used to coach with when the kids were small. And she's like, man, he just had a brain aneurysm. He's gone. And he's one of those guys that I, like, I didn't see him very often, and you know, I saw him every once in a while, but we coached together for a season. I'd see him at this party. I'd see him at this thing, and, and he was one of those guys that I always just, like, I, I could be friends with this guy, man. Like, he was just, a, like, we just hit it off. And I, thought, I, I, I never really shared with him. Well, I told him I was a pastor, and he knew, and I apologized for it. 
but, but, but we got to share the truth. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. Who is God laying on your heart right now? That, that, that the simple step is, hey, just to, and, hey, you know what? God's been changing my life. God's done a lot of things. I don't want to talk a lot about him, but my church, we're going through a letter that really explains the gospel and what I believe. Come on with me. And then this is the thing. This is where you're missing it. And you're like, well, you, know, you didn't make it clear this week. You had my friend next to me. No, take him to lunch. You buy and you tell him what's up. That was a joke that fell flat. It's a little too convicting. But, but my point is that, that utilize the things that we're doing already to share the gospel and to share the truth. So these are the things. Bow your heads with me. And so this is your opportunity to respond. And so I would ask for you, as the worship team comes and begins playing, Do you understand the significance of the gospel? That that the simplicity of what it says. And so maybe just take a moment with you and God, are you believing a false gospel? Just take the time to confess to him. Maybe maybe there's some in here that need to receive the true gospel. Take a moment and do it. Maybe God's laying on your heart a family member or friend who you want to provide clarity to what the gospel is. When you've heard from God, I love what the psalmist writes. The psalmist says, once God spoke and twice I heard him. And so let his voice echo in your ears today and respond as you feel led. Listen. Respond and worship.